Whole sports all plays. Whole sports all plays. Whole sports all plays. We're making a place, you're talking the game, get you through the days We're high in the court, they're dying in the lane Variety topics, living the same Authentication, sports information In the airways, taking the nation All sport, all plays, they're working your faces Grace at the field, so tie the laces All sports, all plays Welcome back to the 50th episode of He's on Fire podcast. And I want to thank everybody that has been a part of this. Everybody listening, everybody following, everybody that comes up in the chat. I got to thank JJ over here. Uh, yeah, I always do that backwards. JJ over <laughs> here. <laughs> Randy down here. Amit, we wish you were here for our 50th episode, but you're with us, with us in spirit. Sun's Jam podcast. Thank you guys for coming on multiple Absolutely. times as well, too. Bo Brock and Alex, Alex Clancy, we appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, we just had Shane from PHNX Sun Devils uh, mm-hmm. come on just the other night. Thank you to you, too. So says Jay. We're going to have Flex on soon. We're going to have Alex on in a little bit from 49ers po- po- podcast cutback. Excuse me. Anybody else that has been a been a part of the podcast, thank you so much for all of your support. We really, really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. We've had a, a lot of tremendous guests on here giving us a lot of good insight. So please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Sun's Jam. <laughs> Stealing that from you guys. Uh, and just share this out to everybody. And if you so choose to, the links are below. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Playlists, as well as Anchor and Donate to the podcast if you so choose to. We really, really appreciate it. It has been a lot of fun. It has been a ride. And now that is out of the way, we get to talk about our favorite, favorite team. The defending Western Conference champion, Phoenix Suns, with a big game against the number one team in the East, who was supposed to win by seven, according to Vegas. We're going to get into it. He's on fire, fire pod. Thanks for coming out, y'all. way to start 50th episode <laughs> goodness gracious 50 episodes though you guys it has been a lot of fun as i've said it's been just a trip really just the amount of people we've been able to connect with has been absolutely incredible uh voida in the chat thank you very much for coming on six man sundo right. what is good thank you for coming by roy as well yes we did clinch the playoffs iverson vlogs another another follower one of my favorites as well um I just can't thank everybody enough. I'm so grateful for, for the gentleman that I have on the podcast right now. And I'm, in, I'm so grateful for our teams <laughs> being damn good. Uh, Ty, what is going on? And you know what? 
we just beat the number one team in the East, and we were supposed to lose tonight. Did you guys see the line before the game? Yeah, it was I like it wasn't it seven. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. seven. It seven. sure was. And I don't know if you guys were on Twitter at all today, but a lot of things that I saw because I searched hashtags from teams that were about to play. Um, yeah. I forgot the Heat hashtag. It's like Heat proud, Miami proud, or whatever that whatever it is. And I was searching the hashtag, and everybody's just like, "Man, we're gonna wipe the floor with them. We're gonna show them who's really the best team. They're the fluke team. They're fluky this, fluky that. We're so fluky that we were able to fluke our way into fifty three wins this season, you guys." Man, that's nuts. Absolutely nuts. And be completely honest, did you guys see a win tonight? Like, did you guys, especially after we played, how we played against the Magic, did you guys come in like, yo, this is a dub? I, I thought it, I, was I thought it de- I thought it depended on Book's health. Like, I didn't know if he was going to come out and have lingering effects and only play like 18 minutes or something like that. I thought it was all completely dependent on Book. Yeah, I was so proud of Book tonight, man. I was so proud because it's like this was like to me, it was like one of his most effective games that I've seen him play. And he wasn't even like stuffing the stat sheet. You know what I'm saying? Like he was playmaking. He was setting the tone, getting fouls, like getting right timely buckets, running the offense. And it was just like playing defense. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like one of the most effective games I've seen. Like I think he finished, what, 23 or something like that? And it was just yeah, like that, didn't, that wasn't like – that didn't his stat sheet definitely didn't say what the impact he had on the game tonight for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, book was super efficient tonight. Uh, I didn't think uh, it was going to be a high scoring game. Uh, I thought he was definitely going to up the uh, defense. Uh, uh, you know, uh, just a defensive uh, you know stature and stuff uh, for this game. Uh, he only played uh, thirty three minutes, but uh, he shot fifty eight percent from the field, seven to twelve. Then uh, 57 from the three, uh, a four of seven. And he hit all of his free throws. You know, like you, can, you couldn't really ask for more. Uh, besides that, uh, campaign had a solid game. Uh, Sham kind of came back down to earth, which kind of a bummer. It was a nice <laughs> stretch. Don't get um, me started on Shamwell. Well. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm really proud of this team. Uh, I went into this game pretty confident uh, when I woke up this morning. Uh, even like I, like I was confident. Uh, just, uh, despite not hearing anything about Booker's uh, health and safe uh, health and safety protocol, uh, you know, thing because just uh, how the team's been performing without the main stars kind of gave me, uh, you know, a little extra, you know, motivation just going into this game. And Miami smacked us in the mouth last time, and we just weren't expecting it. They they were just having one of those nights where they right. couldn't miss a shot, you know, and that's really kind of like the only way to beat us. And that isn't a sustainable. Uh, way to win, win a series, you know, uh, shooting over uh, 51% uh, from the, you know, the three and stuff. That just isn't going to happen every night. But yeah, just all around, uh, everybody had a solid game. Uh, at DA, he started off red hot. You know, uh, 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 people still say Bam over Aiden. I don't know what world they live on. Yeah, uh, it's not Aiden's world apparently. So, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but all Hold I'm on. saying, he's is, on uh, fire. There you go. Uh, but yeah, it's just like uh, the way the DA has been playing the last two years. Everyone thought Bam would be playing that way, and he's just not. So a uh, DA is in a different stratosphere right now. Uh, Hero, um, you know, like he's having six man of the year uh, yeah. type of year. I tried and to get for to him, Cam Johnson. I tried. I tried yeah. to be the one like, hey, Cam Johnson, but nah, like it didn't stick. It definitely didn't <laughs> stick. Your mom. 
Todd, 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 you didn't miss too much. We're just celebrating our 50th episode with, with everybody here in the chat. And we're talking about this absolute wonderful win. I mean, the thing that stuck out to me was the way we, we responded after getting punched in the mouth. Because, I mean, yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Duncan's about to get a 30 piece. Oh, he's about to do this and that. And then Harrow came in and he schooled Mikhail about two or three straight times. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, no. Oh, it's fine. So coming off of a back to back, I was already talking to myself into this. And then what? Within like a minute, 45, two minutes, boom, tie ball game, like 25, 25 or 27, 27. Like it was nothing. And that's what I think I'm most not shocked, not surprised. Maybe proud is really the word. Yeah. They were able to come back that quickly. And do something about it. They didn't wait for like the third quarter or something or or blink of an end eye. of the second. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were able to adjust. And then they shut down Duncan Robinson. I think he had one three the rest of the game, and it was like with minutes left. It was in garbage like time. Five straight. <laughs> yeah, man. Like that's why I was saying, like, I was so proud tonight because we played Phoenix Suns basketball. Like for the last what four or five games. Like, I feel like we've been playing really sloppy, like, out coming out from the All-Star break, really. We've been playing really sloppy. Like, we haven't been getting after it. Like, it's been a long time since I've seen us really sit down on defense. Like, because we usually yeah. come out in the first quarter, sit down on defense. Play and then, some like, drop. Yeah, and then play, yeah. like, and then in the fourth. You know what I'm saying? And then tonight was just, like, a complete Phoenix Sun. We was moving the ball. We was getting to our offensive sets. We was executing. You know what I'm saying? And we was getting everybody involved. And like I said, it was just a proud, like the bench was contributing. It was just like, like I said, it was just like we played Phoenix Suns basketball. And I, that's why I was like so mad at campaign for the last few games. Because it was like, we can still win if we play Phoenix Suns basketball, even if we don't have Book or CP3 out there. I just think we're kind of like, it's kind of sustainable, just a system that Monty put in place. And so like when campaign goes out there and tries to play hero ball, like, oh, like in the fourth quarter, like I got to score or whatever throw it up over three dudes like it's like dog like we don't need it you know what i'm saying so luckily book came out there today and kind of and that's why i was so proud of him too just running the offense like look campaign like all right you did what you did like this is what we do as, as a starting unit you know what i'm saying like this is how this goes and you know what i'm saying luckily today like campaign kind of fell in line too but i was like yo like i think aaron holiday should start a game you know what i'm saying like i saw that i saw you said that hey i watched all yeah, your videos i, he, I heard yeah, that he, yeah he should start a game because like and I was looking at like they panned over to like Alfred Payton on the bench and he looked so sad. And I was like, that would literally that would literally hurt my soul if like a dude that came in three weeks ago literally uh. lapped me and took my spot and now I'm on the bench. And it's just like he hadn't even been here for two weeks. Like and it's like dog, I mean, that's, that's how bad you are. Like I, I mean, if you're Alfred, you know, you gotta sort of like blame yourself a bit, you know, like you gotta know that you're you're like just your offensive game is hasn't been there and Aaron Holiday right from the jump was you know uh, uh, putting buckets down so like yeah like it sucks watching that but hey like he's probably going to get a ring this year if you know if this team sticks it out all the way through so right there's nothing to hold your head about look at the Knicks well look at Julius <laughs> Randle did the other day so <laughs> the bull in the china they, shop. <laughs> hey they they beat down the Mavericks today and I just saw yeah, a stat okay, that said uh Luca hasn't beat the Mavericks at home in four years. He's 0-4 against the Mavericks at home. How crazy is that? Yeah. When was the last time he beat us? I think DA has like a crazy record against Luca too. Like I don't I even think, think I, he beat him. I, that was no, how he beat I, us in two years. 
That's correct, but I think uh, yeah. technically his rookie year, like when he was out or when Da was out. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. D- Dars got a great, yeah. great point. Yeah. Alfred had his chance, and he he failed miserably. So yeah. it is what it is. But I, I did want to fight you just a little bit, Randy, on All on right. your can on your campaign take. I just wanted to to pass along some information that I thought made sense. I saw it on a tweet. I want to say it was yesterday. I mentioned it on Suns Jam yesterday that campaign talked to Chris Paul a whole lot. And Chris Paul told him like, you're coming in here. You're trying to force the rhythm, trying to force offense, force passes here, force passes there. You need to take what the defense gives you basically and play what the defense is playing. So he's just going out there and seeing defense and just playing and riding right now. So when you're like, why isn't he doing any sets or doing that? I think that was part of the reason. And I honestly think even though he did a few things wrong, it kind of got his swagger back and kind of got him going because I think he's a rhythm player. I don't think he's one of those sit in a set, pass here, cut here, set a screen there, and go. He He's such a rhythm player. Though you're right, he was turning it over a lot and doing a couple dumb things, but I, it's kind of like JaVale McGee. It's the JaVale McGee experience a little bit when it comes to campaign. So I was happy he was doing what he was doing because when he's in the game, we do speed up more than we do with Chris Paul. So with Chris Paul coming back eventually, which this is the three-week mark of when he got hit, three weeks. So we should be hearing something soon. But when campaign comes in now and subs in for Chris Paul, I think we're just going to hit a whole nother level so randy i hit you with that give me your thoughts back after hearing that bit of information um i think that what you're saying is accurate um and like i said i feel like my thing with him and i don't mind him going or like taking what the defense gives him like especially with the second unit but i feel like with the first unit and the starters and especially like now a thing that campaign has to take under realization him and mikhail is that they're being scouted now you know what i'm saying like they're like essential players in our on our team so teams they know their tendencies they know what they're trying to do and so like i just feel like when you don't run the offense or when you kind of like sell yourself short of not giving yourself like the best opportunity or like running the offense and like you said he's kind of a rhythm player so i i I do give you that because like he'll get hot like in the playoffs like that's kind of like just what he did he just scored in bunches and he was he's literally just a spark so i will give you that but i feel like when you go into that starting role you know what I'm saying? Especially with D-Book and CP3 out, like, you got to make adjustments, too, especially being a point guard. So, like, I yeah. I agree with you, but, I agree, like, yeah. I, only, my only dispute is just, like, all right, you he can do that as long as he's not starting. You know what I mean? And, yeah, like I said, when he was doing that and, like, not running the sets, and he just runs a lot of broken plays. Like, I don't know, like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Like, he'll run a pick and roll. He'll sprint down the court. Like, he won't let anybody get to where they're supposed to be at on the offense. He'll run a pick and roll, get stuck somewhere, and then pass it out. And then, like, I feel like, yes, he's averaging or he's getting a lot more assists, but it's, like, it's a difference between getting assists and actually playmaking. You know what I mean? Like, when you actually setting up other players and, like, getting everybody in a rhythm, opposed to, like, I'm jumping in the air because I tried to lay it up, and now DA's down here, and I'm just going to dump it off. Like, he's Westbrook assists. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're 100% (laughs) correct. but, But one more thing. Imagine him doing this, playing like he is right now, but against backups and not starters. Yeah, yeah, he can do it. He can, like I said, I feel like 
I'm not trying to bash him. Like I'm saying, like he's like trash or like. Buns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but it's just like playoff campaign is different than I feel like how he's playing right now. And also another thing too, I'll give him a little bit of leeway. Is like he's coming back from a wrist injury and like he wasn't even playing the best before he went out. So like, it is what it is. <laughs> the Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> facts that that's yeah, so. actually exactly what it was the only thing i really liked about eric Bledsoe was when he was driving he was so strong he could finish and get and ones left and right outside of that i didn't like anything eric Bledsoe did damn yeah we've come a long way from eric Bledsoe to, to <laughs> 53 wins and and we still got what 16 games left 17 games something like that yeah somewhere, somewhere yeah, like man so re- real quick i want to go through some of the box box score a few things that stuck out first off 55 to 38 in rebounds. Beautiful. Whatever Monty did and however they worked on rebounding since the Milwaukee game, it has worked. Like, they have come out, and I won't say they've boxed out because I think I've seen two box outs this entire year from any NBA team. <laughs> but but they're actually getting in position and, and they're all working for it as opposed to just standing there and working. M- um Mikel and Tori were doing a lot of that. Yeah. Time. They were Mikel moved out, bam, like like at least like six, seven feet <laughs> a couple yeah. of times. Like it was pretty impressive. Uh Roy, I'm not sure what our playoff rotation is gonna be because it's all gonna depend on matchups. When we play Milwaukee, we're gonna play Biombo, McGee, and all that. When we play the Lakers the in the and if we play the Lakers in the first round, like which we probably which we actually might, um their only big is Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. So and I, he doesn't I bet, get any burn. I bet you we'll see more small ball fives with Tory Craig at the five as opposed to Javel or Biombo. And if Don't we do play the, any of the DeAndre bigs, I, and that's nah, he's he's gone. DeAndre Jordan's gone. He's he's in he's in Philly now. Yeah, oh, but my that's gripe, right. that's right. Yeah, my gripe with that though is that like, why do we have to conform to what other teams are doing? You know what I mean? Like if they run small ball, like that's not us. Like you know what I'm saying? Like yes, we can go there. We can beat you Defense. a lot of different ways. Defense. I feel like DA can kind of keep his feet, or I guess JaVel McGee, like uh, maybe in that drop coverage, like JaVel McGee do get cooked. But I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like we should try to make them play to our game first, opposed to like, you know what I'm saying? Like Milwaukee did. Like we went out and got two bigs because we were too small. You know what I'm saying? We didn't, we tried to run a small ball. I didn't work. You know what I mean? But I don't know. Screenshot. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but you kind of have, you kind of have to play to the matchups though. You can't have, Biombo or Miguel or, or Miguel JaVale McGee not Miguel uh you can't have them out there and you want to give uh guys a run here and there you know and if we're talking I mean you cover the Lakers with your brother just a little bit who would be their small ball five I mean is it going to be like Carmelo at the five oh or yeah Trevor yeah, Ariza like yeah they switch off between it's either LeBron starts at the start uh as the small ball five or Melo and then they'll go Stanley Johnson so typically those three one of those so, three running small ball five. So you you run Tory Craig out there. You run you run Ish Wayne right out there, right? As opposed to the Nuggets, say when they get everybody back, if they've got MPJ and and Jokic out there consistently, you've got to play a big against Jokic. There's no way around it. So it it just depends on the yeah. matchups that the game flow a little bit. I'm more curious about what they're going to do in their secondary second unit when it comes to Holiday Shamit and campaign that that's what i'm really wondering no we we are we are not from iraq but thank you for tuning in (laughs) and boosting my numbers 
<laughs> but yeah, man. So it's I don't know. I it's it's gonna be interesting. I really don't see it's like something I don't like to say out loud is that like I don't see anybody on the West that like is really a problem. You know what I mean? And I don't want to like say that too loud because it's just like I feel like it's a little disrespectful to some of the other teams, but it's just like realistically, just, like the Nuggets struggle, like just say you're very confident in the Phoenix Suns' abilities to get out of the Western Conference. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what, mean, that's, that's, what that's just what we're looking at. And I don't I like I don't want to sound like every other like Laker fan or like just or, or just like like a healthy Clippers team fan, you know, like like we're we're taking it one game at a time. We've been asked for 10 years, you know, like this team kind of blows any other Western team kind of out the water. Uh, I mean, like most NBA uh, media analysts are like, they just kind of just have like an orgasm talking about this team. Like they're like, there's no holes like in this team. Like this team runs deep from, from uh, Chris Paul all the way down to ish. And like, everyone in between, you know, they contribute, you know, there's a reason like why I took so much offense against uh, what Shaq said, like, we're just another jazz team. The jazz, the jazz, like for like two years, they only had like root, like, like uh, Rudy and Donovan and uh, Joe Ingles uh, putting up the shots and, and stuff. Before that, they were it was the only Gordon Hayward. Yeah, yeah. It was Gordon Hayward for a long time, but on a nightly basis, this team has at least six people in double digits with like a bunch of assists. And when the rebounding's there, we usually blow out a team in rebounds. Like this team is just more well-rounded and like, like there's a reason why we can beat this heat team kind of effortlessly when our heads are in the right space. So uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, it was bees that said it earlier, you know, like, like when you have that uh, that mental clarity and just that poise, like it's it's just hard. To it's be it's amazing. It's amazing how losing to the Bucks made us mentally stronger. Yeah, I mean you can 100%. definitely tell that. Oh, but to add to your uh, campaign thing, uh, like I see what you're saying. Uh, like like I do to a certain extent, but like I I think campaign is like the other half of Chris Paul that we used to see uh, back in uh, <laughs> uh, and, and like in new Orleans and uh, like uh, half this time uh, in, a, in a LA uh, like uh, campaign is a slasher and we don't have any other guard that does that as effective as he does it. And like, yeah, he's getting scouted now because no one took him seriously for uh, three, four years, you know, it's true. So like he was asked in Chicago, uh, uh, well, uh, OKC Chicago, he was in Cleveland for a little bit and then he played for the Shanghai. Shanghai. So don't forget and, Shanghai. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get to Shanghai, you know, no one's going to take you seriously. And that's why his bubble uh, appearance was so vital to his career because like no one thought camp- that campaign would do anything. And now we're at the point where, um, you know, uh, just even starting point guards are coming onto the court when our bench unit is out so they can stop a uh, campaign. So, uh, like, he's a more effective shooter this year, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's making so better deep. decisions. Uh, yeah, so by the time Chris Paul, like, retires or he moves on from this team, whatever, I think campaign is going to be cemented enough to, you know, have Chris Paul-like uh, traits and make less mistakes force less uh less bad situations and just read the offense more clearly uh like it's night and day compared to last season like i prefer this campaign like every day of the week so yeah i mean i'll give you that but to me he's just like 
like all the toxins. Like he's like the toxic Rick out of Rick and Morty. You know, you ever seen that episode of Rick and Morty with the toxins? <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah, yeah the toxic versions, all the toxic versions of Chris Paul, like all the toxics. But yeah, I, I see it. I want to I want to answer what what Darth said and and John you I I think I brought it up in a chat or in in one of your guys's podcasts about the Jazz and you you said that they're not even going to be able to get past the Mavericks so mm. I I kind of started thinking about that I actually think you might be right especially with the additions of Dinwiddie and uh and uh, who the Bertans. hell else did they get uh Bertans I yeah. thought that was a way better pickup for them and it just flows a lot better than having Porzingis in there so it's I don't. I, working. I was shitting on it uh, when they first acquired that. I'm like, Breton's contract is ridiculous. So that's a stupid contract. <laughs> but if anybody can afford it, it's Mark Cuban. Remember when yeah. we wanted him? Though you remember when we wanted him? I wanted Berton so bad. I wanted to throw <laughs> all the money at Berton's because the dude shot like 63 percent from three that yeah, one it was year. Nuts. It was nuts. It was nuts. Absolutely nuts. Thank thank God James Jones knows basketball more than I do. But the Jazz are currently up. By 46 points on the Blazers with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Shit. I know, I know. But, and, and John just uh, pointed out Mavs are a tough matchup for them. But if they get through them, then we have to face them. I'm rooting for the Jazz too, because that means I get to go to playoff games. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for that. I want that to happen. The thing about the Jazz, though, that I'm really not worried is without Joe Ingles, who don't, they're, they're missing. Like, don't keep they, they've been saying it on the radio so much that they miss joe ingles mm-hmm. so don't don't deny how big of a factor a guy like <laughs> joe ingles was for that organization calm cool collected running the second unit doing all that i mean i'm afraid of jordan clarkson getting hot and making like seven threes in a row in the fourth yeah. quarter right that that's a legitimate concern i'm not scared of rudy I'm not scared. Uh, Royce O'Neal is one of the most overrated players in the whole NBA. Dude mm-hmm. is straight garbage. Book has a field day against Utah <laughs> every time we play them. Yeah. Uh, Bogdanovich, up and down. Up and He's down. so up and down. You put a little bit of a body into some of those players, and they fold Donovan in the playoffs. I don't want to face Donovan in the playoffs. That's for damn sure. Spider will go off for 55 on you. Then Jordan Clarkson can close it out for 27. I'm scared of that. I mean, and outside of those players, I mean, Rudy Gay's been a little something nice for them. Hassan Whiteside ha- has actually been a pretty decent pickup. He's better than Derek Favors as a backup for sure in that system because they can run the same way. Um, and then guys like Trent Forrest and a couple of the random guys that come up. Oh, whose is that? I think that might be me. <laughs> yeah, that is good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting on fire and he's on fire podcast. He's on fire! But really, if you need to go check on your fire. No, I got it. <laughs> Somebody got it. But we are without Sarik. Yeah, how- I was literally about to say, I was one loss away from saying, like, yeah, yo, I miss Sarik and I miss Frank. Just because of the playmaking and just, like, how much, like, like of a connector. Like, I remember them saying it all the time. But, like, now, like, not having Book and CP3 out there, I was like, damn, like, Sarik and um, Frank really could, you know what I'm saying? Like, Frank was fitting so many passes to Mikhail, like, the chemistry there was just mm-hmm. so crazy, and I feel weren't like weren't we just talking about that, JJ? Yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, keep, like, keep, keep, keep going, uh, Randy. Yeah, I was about to say because that chemistry. I wonder if he could have developed that with anybody else. Like it would have been if him and Cam Johnson would have developed like some sort of like. Oh man, that would have been crazy. <laughs> the um, 
Chris Robinson, thanks for coming in. He's a part of the ASAP family. And if you guys don't know or haven't Chris. followed him on here, go do so. He is one of the biggest CP3 supporters. That's interesting. So, Thank yeah, you. we we're, we're going to have him on the podcast very soon. Uh, it's, it's been overdue, actually. So really, really starting to collab with a lot of the ASAP network guys. And it's been awesome. So I just can't say enough about this game. I don't even want to get into the X's and O's it, because it's so incredible how much energy they had coming off of a back-to-back. Booker coming in sure as hell ignited them. He looked crisp. He looked clean. He looked like he didn't miss a step. There was very few times where he did anything wrong. He didn't dribble himself into trouble. Man. The three looked nice. Like... He was dishing was, the ball. Like when man. he saw the double coming with PJ and uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't panic. Uh, who, yeah, who was the other wing? God, I can't uh, I'm, I'm I'm spacing, but was it you know, Duncan? Stress? Yeah, it might have been Duncan. Uh, uh yeah, Duncan's always trying to uh, look for the closeout, but yeah, as soon as he sees him like building up, he dishes it right away. And, and typically he panics out of that. Like, and that oh, yeah, irritates yeah. my soul, especially on national yeah. TV. Like, don't do that on national TV. Like anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you see his Kobe PEs? Oh, those. Oh, okay, yeah. I was wondering because they were saying like it's a drought, like on the Kobe. So I was just, I was wondering, like, I wonder how many pairs book got left. Like that's new. Do you see his whatever magazine? I don't know if it was GQ or whatever when they did a shot of his closet and he's got all the shoes. Oh yeah, and the they're all, they're all yeah. up there. I thought on the bottom right, I just saw like a row of them or a couple rows of them. He he has like like six or seven pairs of Kobe's. I, I, I remember watching the the tour of his house and I, yeah, he has a beautiful house, but uh yeah, like most of his shoes are like Converse and Jordan ones and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. very Booker like. So yeah. <laughs> the most shoes you could get. I say Mikel, I mean those are his lucky charms, but he low he needs to retire those KDs that he got like I don't. I don't know if you ever seen. No, like, he's famous for those when he wore when he wore those uh, purple Kobe's at one game. That was probably one of his worst games of the year. Yeah. So I mean, he started off. Yeah, he started off the year in whatever shoe, and then he switched over. I want to say like right before All Star break to the yellow ones back again, and then he started balling out again. Um, real quick before we bring on Alex in just a little bit and start talking some NFL football because there has been a lot of stuff we need to cover with that. Randy, if you want to stay on and talk some NFL, there's been a lot of moves, man. Yeah, man. We, I can throw in my two cents. My little Packers. There we go. Cents. I like it. Talking about a little bit of everything. So, like, the they, Packers, we don't really need to talk about. Um, uh, a, a few more things while we wrap up the Suns. Jay Crowder was only one for seven from three. Still had 11 points and five rebounds and a steal and a block. And he had great four. on defense, though. He was great yep. on defense. He had yeah. four turnovers, though. Very, uh, that's that's the J, the Jay Crowder roller coaster right there. Mikhail Bridges, zero for three from three, still had twenty one points. Team high or a uh, second team high in plus twenty four. Booker had twenty three, eight and nine assists, two steals, two blocks, only two turnovers. So he's keeping right there. Da had nineteen and ten on nine of ten shooting, only one free throw. Um, and, and you heard the Miami Heat fans talking shit, booing, ref, you suck, ref, you suck. Man, 18 fouls against us. Guess how many against them? Woo, I didn't even look. look. Nine. Go, uh, nine. Oh, sorry. You were going to guess. Yeah, nine. it was. It was cool. I was gonna, it was going to be a single digit for sure. <laughs> Maybe I should go check. He's on fire! <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, man. All right, you know what? I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna go check and see what's going on. Make sure my house. You, yeah, right g- go do that. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring you back up. We don't, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. Um, and you know, we've got the Raptors on Friday. Yeah, I'm worried about rebounding against them just because they killed us on the boards the last game when it was up there in uh, in Toronto. So we got to keep on the boards, but then. Guess what we're doing Sunday? I haven't even told you. I wanted to announce it on the podcast. On Sunday, we are doing a live stream uh, game reaction to the full game with Freddie Henderson from ASAP oh, Sports, no. who was on a couple, a couple days ago. So we're going to collab with him and do a live stream for the Lakers-Suns game. So we won't have our typical 930 podcast. We're going to be doing a whole stream, and then we'll we'll get into the podcast and, and the reaction stuff afterwards. So it'll be a little bit shorter, but we're doing a full stream with the one and only Freddie the Laker fan Henderson. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, dear Lord. Uh, yeah, if you guys haven't uh, checked out uh, our couple episodes ago with Freddie, uh, it was a good episode. Uh, yeah, Randy was just a menace. Uh, Black Air Force energy. <laughs> yeah, so, damn. Um, I should I, I should have said that when Randy was on here because them two were button heads and it was good podcasting. Yeah. You know, Suns Lakers fans, you know, we, uh, history goes back. So uh, it will be nice to watch this game. And, and I think uh, we know what the end result is going to be on Sunday. So it's going to be great. Uh, so that's going to be it's, it's, uh, it's always good. Fun. Always good to beat the Lakers. You know what else is always good? Bringing on our good friend Alex from 49ers Cutback. Alex. What is going on, my man? Long What's time up? no chat. What's going on? I know. How y'all, how y'all doing? You good? You doing good? We're, I mean, we're feeling good. Football it seems like over. <laughs> I was just said football season's <laughs> over, but 50 episodes. Congrats. Um, thank I mean, you. Thank you. Suns, Suns taking care of business. Congrats on the playoff berth. You know, I, 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 you know, I mean, it's looking like playoff. Is it official? Have you guys? Clinched? It's official. It's okay, official. We officially so you, clinched. You have clinched. You have fifty plus wins on the season yet again. I can't remember the last time the Sacramento Kings did anything like that whatsoever. Um, two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I was a child. I feel like I was a child. I, I don't. I don't remember. Um, it's, it's probably never going to happen again in my lifetime, and that's that's a okay. That's part of the reason why I've stopped investing so much in the Kings and what's been going on with that organization and franchise. Uh, <laughs> Good. You know, that's why. I mean, well, shoot, I I went I went from coaching basketball man for like I, I don't know. It felt like the better part of almost a decade to straight into football and have literally just been like eh, with basketball uh, since. And, and the Kings have have not to. Uh, well, they haven't made it difficult to not want to watch basketball. So there's there's that. I, I, I feel you. I feel you. You know, I was actually all on board with the Sabonis trade and, mm-hmm. you know, getting Justin Holiday over there. They got Dante DiVincenzo as well, too. And I was like, man, I think they're going to do something. And they're like three and ten since the trade in typical Kings fashion. Doing doing everything you can to take potentially good things and somehow still ruin them. So my college roommate was a Kings fan. And so I, I'm still, I'm, I'm bagging him every chance I get. And he's a Florida state fan. So, you know, I don't know what he's crying about. And not too much, man. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of positives there. A lot. A lot of <laughs> and Todd, yes, we are collabing with a 49ers fan. I think he and his co-host and might be the only rational 49ers fans. We try, but, but believe it or not, very good insight on 49ers cutback. You can catch them on uh, YouTube and probably all the podcast channels. You can, you can get your plug in later, but you know what we got to talk about? Uh, we're we're all, we're all getting two wins a year because Seattle all of a sudden doesn't have anybody on defense except for uh, Jamal Adams. He's gonna get nobody. Dealt. They're gonna deal that dude. Yeah, he, 
That's a great point. I didn't even think yeah. about that. They're gonna. I mean, he, he what was the whole reason? The whole reason he wanted out of New York, right? He wants to compete. He wants to win. He wants to make the playoffs, potentially go to the Super Bowl. And you just traded away, like, uh, come on, Beast. The, I'm right the, here, man. <laughs> I'm right here, Beast. Come on. Come on, man. Um, but, I mean, they just traded that away, right? You traded away your franchise quarterback, the guy who's, like, keeping some of the things together offensively. You you cut Bobby Wagner because you know Sherm's a prophet and was right. <laughs> I mean, it really it really did felt like you put that tweet out there like, hey, you know what? We didn't think about that. Uh, we probably should do something about Bobby Wagner. He's not. He's not mm-hmm. gonna do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cra- crazy. I mean, crazy. And like, can we talk about the capital? Because I mean, it, look it, for Arizona Cardinals fans. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the fan base is split on Jimmy Garoppolo and San Francisco 49ers land. Like, there's. There's oh, yeah. a section of the fan base that loves him. There's a section of the fan base that wants him burnt at the stake. And then there's us in the middle who are like, you know, Jimmy did some great things for us, especially in the doldrum years coming off of the meat set sweats and Jim Tomasula, you know, leading up into the Super Bowl run in 2019. So can we appreciate the things that Jimmy did while understanding that it's just it's just time? That's fair. Right? It's just it's just time, right? So we we drafted Trey Lance for a reason. Everyone's seeing this quarterback class right now and is like, yeah, it's it's not it's not great. Like it's not, it's not going to get you to where you want to get in the next year or two. Um, you need time with the quarterbacks you're drafting right now. So it's like, you got Trey last year, you deal Jimmy. Now you free up the cap space. Uh, there are people who truly believe Jimmy's not getting dealt anywhere. He's just, he's so bad that he has no value. And the Niners are going to cut him. And it's like, what do y'all just see what the commanders paid for Carson Wentz? Like, I didn't see the number. Uh, so it's, number? it's two thirds. One of those thirds is this year. One of them is next year. The third next year is a is an escalator. It's an escalator pick. So if he plays 70% of games, it goes from a third to a second. And then they are also getting another second round pick mm-hmm. on top of that. So you're talking about potentially two twos and a three for Carson Wentz. And Jimmy Garoppolo has no trade value? That is insane. It's Dude, not, there's, there, there's a lot of teams that. that there's a lot of teams <laughs> that need that right now. I mean, I, I just I just keep coming back to Pittsburgh for some reason. I oh, just Pitt. keep coming back to Pittsburgh. Pitt, yeah. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the I mean, I, I don't know how the New Orleans Saints are even in the realm of possibility for conversation about signing anyone right now when they still got like what 30 million to cut by next Wednesday? An additional 30 million dollars on top of the you know 30 right. or 40 yeah. they've already somehow right. cut. I mean, and yeah. I said this, we, we literally said this on the pod. We were like, as soon as they hire a head coach, half Half of the 88 million they got to cut is going to go away. Half of it. Just crazy. Just crazy. So before we get to what this really means for the NFC West, because we know more moves are coming. True. Many more. You got you guys included probably before the draft. I mean, I mean, the Colts now need a quarterback, too, so that they could be in the hunt for Jimmy G. But what do you think the Denver Broncos are going to be able to do, Alex? I mean, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, uh, Melvin Gordon and company, no Noah Font, which I thought was going to be a great move for him, and then he still has Drew Locke as, as his QB. What does it mean for them, and do you foresee, because there's been a lot of little tidbits on Twitter out there, Von Miller reuniting over in Denver and getting out of L.A.? I'm so glad that you just said that, Evan. I don't think you have any idea how glad, like, how glad I am. <laughs> let's not remember. Let's not forget that Aaron Donald's linchpin was re-signing Von Miller. Mm-hmm. Von Miller is looking at this move and thinking to himself, I can go back and finish my career off as a Denver Bronco and, ch- and a chance to compete and win for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm not going to eat up the, the contract. No big money. Let's just let's try and 
get a Super Bowl in Denver one more time and right off into the sunset. And if that happens, what is Aaron Donald going to do with the Rams? Is he going to want a long-term thing? Is he going to even come back if Von Miller decides, I'm out of here with L.A. Listen, it was fun. I got my Super Bowl out of this. I'm going to go home and retire a Bronco and try and win, win them another championship. If that happens, we're talking about potentially two NFC West teams imploding. Because if Aaron, if the Von Miller piece drops and then that drops the Aaron Donald piece, what do you think Sean McVay is going to do? Do you, Does anyone really think that Sean McVay is going to be sitting there going, oh, oh man, I can't believe I turned down a hundred plus million dollars to come back and coach an Aaron Donaldless Rams team. I mean, we're, we're talking major implications, this whole situation. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks may have, at the, while torpedoing, torpedoing themselves, right, bolstering the Denver Broncos, may have also collateral damaged, done something uh, to this Los Angeles Rams team as well. There's implications of plenty. But I, Boom, I shakalaka! I had to. <laughs> I think We're the, spinning. I, I, keep going. I think the crazy thing about all of this is, is Denver literally just went from a team that was literally on, on, on the – it was on the brink of making the playoffs, right? Fringe. You were fringe, but you were had the whole AFC West to compete with. Like Aaron, Aaron Rodgers – and Russell Wilson were your only chances of being able to compete and win the AFC West and be a team that's one of the best teams coming out with home field playoff advantage, and you landed it. You didn't have to give up any of your talented young wide receivers to do it. You didn't have to give up a talented running back to accomplish it. it or it, a first-rounder. Or a first-rounder. I mean, it, it, it all it cost you right was a couple of some picks, a handful of picks, which is nice, but Seattle has to hit on those picks for it to be worth anything. And, and then you gave up some nice pieces. I mean, the nicest piece of the players they gave up was Fant. That, that was the nicest piece. Mm-hmm. And they obviously feel there's someone in the draft they could probably go get and be feeling pretty good about. Maybe it's Trey McBride. I don't know. So, I, I dude, I, it is uh, – what what an absolute – what an absolute just crazy sort of day for Denver the other day. Um, mm-hmm. The only move that they could make to make themselves completely relevant in the AFC West, and they made it. Yeah. And now there's a bunch of rumors where I'm hearing Deshaun Watson possibly going up to Seattle Mm -hmm. because apparently on Friday, I'm not sure if it's this Friday or next Friday, all of his court stuff is supposed to be resolved by Ben. I saw two or three tweets about that, but then I saw nothing else. It's not like I saw Adam Schefter or anybody tweeting that out or anything. I think mm-hmm. it was just a bunch of Houston uh, Houston Chronicle guys or something like that tweeting that stuff out. So if Deshaun Watson goes to Seattle, shit. I don't know what to think if, if he goes to Seattle, right? It, 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 it's basically like the Russ situation all over again. He got a guy with magic up there doing magical things with Pete Carroll and it's annoying and you just want it to end and to stop. And because it doesn't make any sense, right? Like it doesn't look like the roster is any good anywhere else, but your quarterback is just absolutely phenomenal and pulls games out of his behind when there's no reason for them to pull the game out. It's, it's, it's crazy to think. Um, We'll see, because I've also seen some reports that they're trying to file criminal charges. Now the AD is in that, in that area. Interesting. Um, So if they are trying to file criminal charges, if that goes through or if it gets pushed or if it doesn't get dismissed, um, I, I imagine that's going to hold everything up for a whole another year. Most likely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and Todd, I don't know if it was you or bees. Are, are you warming up to Alex, uh, Alex yet? I mean, he's had quite a few good takes so far. Are you warming up to him yet? I, I'm curious, but uh, Todd, do you mean CC as in Calais Campbell? Because that's what I've been saying for like two or three months. That would hey. be, um, 
So he was actually hiking on uh, Camelback Mountain today. So it's free agency time. He's here. Just stay. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm. If if we got Calais Campbell on like on a on a vet one year deal, that that would be amazing. So Alex, we've talked about the implications now on the NFC West. I mean, it's almost a guarantee that three teams are going to get two wins right off the bat when you play yeah. that team. It's it's almost yeah. a guarantee. Of course, yeah, you know anything can happen. Ah, Bees gives you his thumbs up. Appreciate that, Bees. There you go. So all the NFC West teams outside of Seattle are are basically 2-0 now. You can almost count that in. And the Arizona Cardinals have had a lot of drama. We've had a lot of drama over here. We haven't heard a thing until the combine from our coach and our GM. Not, Not a whisper, nothing but reports of arguing the week after that brutal Monday night loss that you so graciously joined us on. I did. Um, and that did not count as our 50th episode. So we have like 52 videos, but this is our 50th episode. And uh, nothing but Kyler Murray scrubbing his Instagram and then two weeks later bringing it back up. J.J. Watt was kind of trolling him a little bit. And everything was just kind of kind of going to shit over here in Arizona. So before we get to some of the moves that were made today, what is your outside take of and perspective of the Arizona Cardinals? And don't um, you can be as mean as you want here, man. We we just want honesty. I'm not going to be mean. I'm going to say you have a, well, number 1, rightful turmoil. Um rightful turmoil because of how the season started and how it Damn ended. right. There Damn right. Turmoil, right? The Damn right. should be pissed. The head coach should be pissed. Star players should be. Everyone should be. If there was no turmoil, there'd be a bigger problem. If people weren't going like, you know, hey, this is this is an issue. Like, we have fallen apart now in two separate seasons towards the end of the year. This, this is major issues, like red flags everywhere. If nobody was saying anything, then there'd be even more red flags and more problems. So the fact that there's turmoil means that there's discussion. It means people are talking. People are arguing. Um, and and for any healthy relationship, you gotta you gotta fight a little bit. Like you gotta communicate. And sometimes you communicate things you don't like. And sometimes you know you you do you do what Kyler Murray did and not healthily communicate. Instead, just scrub your Instagram. <laughs> but regardless of that, okay, they're communicating. Um, I think the interesting thing, I think the most interesting dynamic of the whole thing is the fact that Kyler and Cliff have the same agent. And yeah, what that, that what that may mean, yeah. what that may mean, like behind the scenes in terms of what they're both trying to do to to keep things a certain way. And I think that may be also pissing mm. off management as well, because if you're if you got a coach and a player, your star player who have the same agent, your star player is wanting, obviously, a contract extension and wants to get paid now before things, you know, cr- something crazy happens. Um, you know, th- he's sitting there going, pay me, like get me paid. The ownership is obviously frustrated with results in terms of how the last few seasons has ended and is probably wanting to pump the brakes on paying anyone huge chunks of money until he sees the thing he wants to see, which is a start to finish, you know, well-played season, even if it doesn't end in a Super Bowl. If you guys start well, middle well, finish well, and you lose a close one in the playoffs in the divisional or an NFC championship game, they're sitting there going, okay, yeah, we're on the right track. Let's get these guys paid. Let's lock this thing up. Right. Let's make sure we keep this window open. Um, but Kyler's sitting there going, well, no, 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 no. We were hot garbage before I got here. Let's do this now. So I get both perspectives. Like both perspectives make sense. Um, so it, I imagine for ownership, it's got to be frustrating because you got a coach and a player who are probably wanting to make sure things stay a certain way for the offense to function the way they want and for them to do certain things the way they want and to play a style of football that they want. 
And ownership's probably like, well, what are the results here? Uh, a first round exit in the playoffs, getting humiliated on national television, like stuff like that. So it's, it's, an, it, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy scenario. It's an unfortunate scenario. But I mean, I guess the positive thing, the, the plus you can take from it is that they're at least talking. They're communicating. If they weren't communicating, I mean, uh, Kyler could be, you know, Kyler could be one of the quarterbacks that are getting dealt if they weren't communicating. Could be if, a Josh Rosen situation all over again. If they were off in Mexico and we'd see pictures of Cliff with two hot hot women or something like that, we can definitely have a different conversation. But the, that's actually really good perspective. JJ, you and I have kind of avoided talking about the Cardinals up until just recently because of all the turmoil and everything going on, but getting that outsider's perspective, what do you think now? Uh, yeah. Like uh, basically uh, Alex hit the nail on the head, you know, just the fact that this team was uh, at least conversating, you know, is kind of kind of a plus because, you know, this team has been shit a lot of years. So, um, but uh, yeah, like uh, I see it from both uh, perspectives from a, man- a management standpoint and from Kyler's standpoint, and it makes it a lot more difficult when Kyler and uh, Cliff have the same agent and that agent is making uh, Kyler put out like his demands and stuff while doing like these uh, you know, like background things with Cliff to get his extension and kind games extension. Like, like, like this whole thing has yeah. just been a mess. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kyler put back of all this posts, you know, whatever uh, there's, there's probably something working uh, in his favor right now. Uh, but like, but, before Kyler got here, uh, we were hot garbage for like five, six years. And uh, like every year, uh, Kyler has gotten better and he's progressed. Yeah, the health is an issue, but we all know he's a small guy. He hasn't had the best offensive line. Rodney Hudson was a nice addition. But we've besides Rodney Hudson, we've had the same O-line since Josh Rosen. And, <laughs> and what like, where is he now? And <laughs> But like uh, Kyler has put this team back on the map and – like the the Arizona Cardinals franchise has never had a franchise QB like ever. We had Kurt Warner yep. on the back end of his career. We had Carson Palmer the same way. Uh, Jake Plummer uh, never uh, became a thing. So th- this is kind of like our only shot that we've seen in recent memory. So uh, uh, t- uh, to Todd that's saying trade him and to anybody else that doesn't want Kyler anymore, what's the bigger failure? We send him off. And he has great success on another team, and he flourishes, gets you know uh, all the praise. He gets the MVPs, uh, he gets the Super Bowls, whatever. Or we pay him, and he doesn't necessarily um, uh, just uh, like uh, like he's kind of like on that DAC path a little bit. You know, like what's the bigger failure? Like we send him off, and he actually actually has great success, or uh, right. just like no or just uh or just not be- necessarily mediocrity but just like more of uh competitive riding, uh, the state uh, yeah uh, uh, just competitive uh ball so i i think the better route to go is to pay your franchise qb he is our franchise qb i i don't think bidwell is dumb enough to send this dude off but i don't know but this whole thing has been confusing and stuff, but what some of the moves that the Cardinals made today, uh, you know, it it takes down a couple questions and stuff. But I'm just hoping that Kime can throw something together and we can, you know, just go in head first into the season uh, on the right path and not necessarily slip up at the end like we have the last three seasons. So, 
And and that's what needs to change. That's the part that needs to change. If we go if we go 10 and 3 to start, 9 and whatever, I don't care about that until December. Like uh, December has to roll around and we have to get wins and that's when it's all oh, about. So, oh. Oh, one more thing, one more thing. Yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, go for it. Uh yeah, so uh uh, you probably didn't uh, see this, Alex, but uh, like a week or two ago, when me and Evan sort of kind of talked about this, like it's uh, like uh, uh, I brought up like like if we have like the same record that eleven and five, eleven and six, whatever our record was, and like the wins were more separated, it wasn't necessarily that streak, and we still had the same amount of losses. This will probably be a totally different conversation, and it will be more on a positive note and stuff. It's just the it's just a matter of this repetitive just dropping the ball at the end of the season and stuff. And we're losing to the same team. Uh, uh, like uh, we're, we're losing to the Rams. Uh, we're backing into the playoffs. Like it's like this whole kerfuffle and stuff. So like things kerfuffle, just need to change. Like just It is like, a kerfuffle. The, I like kerfuffle. Damn it. Just, just things just need to change just from a coaching standpoint. And <clears> like, <throat> like the, 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 the little accountability that Cliff took just recently in his press conferencing, he was just pulling shit out of the no shit pile. Like we've been saying this since like the Packers game. Like, oh my uh, God. like you, you need, I to just be, needed to be better. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're going to be a head coach in the NFL, you need to know how to make adjustments when adversity drops on, <laughs> like on your feet, dude. So, the, I, the, I need to be better line, by the way, the, I need to be better line is what I say to my kids in the locker room after a loss in, when they, in which they didn't execute, right? It's like yeah. the sarcastic, like, oh, I guess it's on me. I guess I just need to be better when you know they didn't do what they were supposed to do. That's yeah, what like, that line is. But why not, are you saying that to the public? Don't do that. At yeah. the draft combine, like two months after you get ousted in the playoffs. I saw it. I saw it and started laughing because I was like, I know that. I've done that before. <laughs> I I've say that. that. I say that. But I say that in the locker room after the game to my kids. In to their high faces. schoolers. High schoolers. That's, I'm, That's As a high school coach, you can say it. You can't say that at the professional level. I guess I just need to be better. <laughs> that's more that's more of a indictment on cliff because it's like is that where his, his mental capacity is like uh, maybe like R- real quick update on randy everything is okay he he, he texted me he's going off on he's texting me he said, he said his wife or, or his girlfriend uh was trying to cook something in the oven and and left it in the oven the cardinal Her sin no, no, cardinal sin. you can't do no, that no, no pun intended uh real quick uh, we'll, we'll touch on these signings that we had today. Uh, first off, we re-signed uh, backup running back Jonathan Ward, a great special teams player and contributor. He was the one that got absolutely rocked in that Packers game, and he was out for like the next four to six weeks or whatever that was. So he's coming back. And then we also re-signed Antoine Wesley. We're big supporters of Antoine Wesley, Texas Tech guy, played under Cliff Kingsbury, had some really good DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins-esque type of catches while he was out. I think he could be a great third or fourth option moving forward. A lot of reports about Zach Ertz and the Cardinals are talking. There is mutual interest in both of them coming back. That is what me and JJ want. We want Zach Ertz on one side or move him to a slot. And we want Max Williams back too, where your team completely took out our tight end, but it got us Zach Ertz. So, you know, tomato, tomato. But 
having both of those guys as tight ends for Kyler, I think would be absolutely huge. Big body guys. It seems like he's having problem finding uh, Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore, the smaller wide receivers, because he is a smaller receiver himself, unless it's downfield. So having more big guys in short yardage situations, I think is huge for Kyler. So, so props for that. We also released three year starter, two year captain, defensive play caller, Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks was gone now. Um, for all the all the bad that we can say about him in coverage, he did come in and call the plays for three straight years for the Arizona Cardinals. If you saw, I mean, he was our free agent signee, like the guy three years ago after the Josh Rosen stuff went down and after that horrible year. So part of me is going to miss him, but JJ, now it's on to Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. It's it's yeah. on them to step up. And then we also restructured uh, Devon Kennard's deal mm-hmm. as well, too. So he was making nine mil. He's going down to, I think it was three. So yeah. he's going to he's gonna be saving some money there. Releasing Jordan Hicks has three mil in dead cap, uh, but we're saving six and a half mil. So all in all, uh, at the end of today, uh, is it Spot Rack? S-P-O-T-R-A-C? Spot Trick? I don't, I don't spot know. Tra- it, spot Trick, yeah. I, I've actually never heard it pronounced. Um, <laughs> right now, uh, we're, we're at $7.5 million under the cap. That's nice. not including the restructure of Devon Kennard's deal. There's rumors that they're working on a D-Hop restructuring as well, too. Uh, Justin Pugh is going to be the next candidate to get cut. And then we're also looking at... Uh, Oh, what's the defensive tack? Jordan Phillips. He is going to be a post June 1st cut because there's going to be a lot less dead money there. It looks like we're going to save 11 million there. So they're doing a lot of moves to restructure and they're getting it, getting it planned. Uh, right off the top of my head, I, I got to be honest, JJ, I'm worried about Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins being able to run a defense consistently. At the same time, you got to have your horses out there to make mistakes and, and learn how to fail as well as learning how to succeed. So it's put up or shut up time with, with Kimes picks, but are we going to draft another interior linebacker to make up for Jordan Hicks? Are we going to go after Bobby Wagner, JJ? <laughs> uh, I don't think the Cardinals are going to go after Bobby <laughs> no. Wagner, even though I would love to have him. but uh, I saw a lot of good glimpses of uh, the little time that we saw as Zayman Collins. I think he has a potential, uh, like Hicks uh, this year, uh, he just uh, like he just disappeared a lot, uh, like a lot, like how Chandler Jones was. You know, like he uh, he had a good uh, first three four games of the season, and then just everything else was just uh, you know abysmal. So uh, I just didn't see uh, much of Hicks this year. Uh, I don't really remember much of him last year. So it's it's probably time to move on. And uh, I, like I wasn't surprised by the you know. Uh, waving them off so no but it's it's been some time since we've heard any cardinals move so it looks like they have a plan in place they're not going to franchise chandler jones i think i came on the very first nfc quest for the west and i said we were better off without chandler jones and here we are they're not going to do it uh hassan reddick is out there would love to see him coming back but they are going to be in search of another pass rusher so those are the Cardinals update. Alex, when you hear these moves and you kind of hear like Calais Campbell potentially coming back to, does it does it worry you? Would it excite you if you were a Cardinals fan? Give me your perspective again, please. I'm excited about Calais Campbell, adding that in, adding that back into the fold there. That's uh, that's definitely not a bad thing. Put Calais Campbell in there with J.J. Watt. I mean, that's a, that's a nice little tandem there on the inside. Plus, you have the Jordan Phillips situation. I mean, you guys you guys have some talent. You have, you have a talented front four. You really do. Um, and the linebacking core, I think, was 
I guess would be the biggest question for you guys. But even then, I, I wouldn't say that it was that bad. I, I do like Isaiah Simmons and what he does, um, the versatility he has. Right. I, I really love Zayvon Collins. Matter of fact, that was Ant and I's draft crush last year was Zayvon wow. Collins. We wanted like Zayvon that. Collins. Like that's that's a guy we wanted to draft. We thought it would be a perfect pairing because of the question. He's mark. heating up. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to anyway. Uh, <laughs> but with Aziz Alshair's question marks went into last year, Zayvon Collins were like, duh. Linebacking corset, if you get Zavin, you got Dre Greenlaw, you got Fred Warner, um, you're fine because of the the dynamics and the diversity in which with, with which he plays in coverage and both in the run. Um, he's a little aggressive. He was a little overly aggressive at times in the run and took some bad angles this last year, a couple times on film um, when I was watching him. But you're a rookie. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out if your speed translates, what you can right. get away with, what you can't. Um, so, I, no, I think I think the moves you guys are making are smart. I think you guys are going about building your roster in a very specific way. Like you said, right? Having a plan. Seems like you guys have one. That's that's the good news. Um, yeah. And restructuring, right? Restructuring uh, Mr. DeAndre Hopkins, too, is going to save you guys some some nice money this year, which would make it even better. Um, and then you got the potential out next year in the contract anyway, in which you can get out of the, get out of the contract in a big way and save a, save a lot of money. Right. If, if you if right. D hop stays getting hurt and isn't healthy. So restructuring him now, he was hurt last year, you know, pushing some of that money maybe down the road, void a year out in 2025 and, you know, stick six, seven million there and just say, here you go. There's six, seven million at the end of the contract. We get a little bit back now um, and you still have the potential out uh, in 2023 where you can get out of that contract if it's uh, not working out the way you want it to. So you guys have done a pretty good job of structuring your contracts in a specific way, which is why I'm not too worried about the Kyler Murray situation. I'm really not. I think I think if push comes to shove and front office is sitting there going, we just need to get this done so that he's happy, you guys could mm. you know pull out a situation where you got a six, seven year contract where you have an out, you know, three years down the road or, or four years down the road. Um, and I think that would be the best case scenario for you guys because at the end of the day, right? There's no quarterback coming out in the draft this year. If you guys are as competitive as as you guys believe you're going to be, and I, I agree, I, all signs point to the Cardinals being a formidable force in the NFC West and in the NFC for the next three to four years, then you're not going to be picking near the top of drafts. So you won't be able to necessarily get that quarterback that could come in behind Kyler. So now you can really put in some work and maybe – finding that guy in the next couple of years in the draft later that you think, Hey, in two years, we could draft this kid sit for two years. And if in four years, when Kyle, we get to that out in Kyler's new contract, if it's right. not working out, we can move off of it. We got our guy for the future. There's a lot of ways to, to go about doing it. The real question would be how happy would Kyler Murray be getting a contract extension? And then two years later, you guys drafting a quarterback in like the fourth round and him sitting there going, I see what's ask, going. I see ask what's going Brett on. Favre how that works out. Ask uh, Lamar Jackson <laughs> when they drafted Tyler Huntley. Ask Aaron Rodgers when you drafted uh, Jordan Love. Uh, you know it, that it causes problems. It it does. It is what unless it is. We all got unless you're Jimmy Garoppolo, and then you're just like writings on the wall. I guess. I guess I'm that. The Tom Brady <laughs> like, Jimmy G thing a few years back, man. It's true. As long as you talk to your front office, you know, like let's. I think that's the things. only. I think that's the only thing that saved San Francisco. In all honesty, was yeah. the honesty with Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. They called. They called Jimmy before they made the trade. They called him before they made the pick. Like they were in communication with him the whole time. So he knew from day one, 2020, 2021 was his year. It was always going to be his year. You win a Super Bowl, 
you're coming back, right? We'll roll it back one more time with you. You don't, and we got to move on because we got to be able to bring the pieces in around you, uh, bring, bring the pieces back in around this team. We got to be able to have the cap space to do it. Um, so I think that was always the plan. And, you know, other than Anton, myself, and 49ers land, it seems like no one else got that that was the plan, that you were going to sit and wait a year on Trey, see what happens in 2022. I still am a guy who is I, – I truly believe Trey Lance is a guy who is going to just blow up at some point here in the league. But I'm a firm believer that he needed about two years. I thought worst-case scenario right, three, right. at most two. So you're going to be playing – you're playing with fire this year. Um, it's going to be up and down with him. I think there's going to be really, really highs, and there's going to be some really low lows. And I just hope the 49ers fan base can handle that. Because there's about 50% that will be able to because they wanted Trey this last season. In fact, Evan and, and, and Jay tweeting out, I would rather lose with Trey Lance than win with Jimmy Garoppolo. Stuff like that. Uh, That's wild. That, right? <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank wild. You. Big yikes for us over on Patreon was absolutely glorious all year with the amount of just nonsensical takes from people on Twitter. It was absolutely hilarious. But uh, the, the reality is half of the fan base will be good with it. Half the fan base won't be good with it because there are people who will be happy to lose to Trey Lance. And there's going to be people who are, if we're losing games that we shouldn't lose because Trey's not necessarily playing his best football, we're going to freak out. They're, they're just going to freak out in those scenarios. And it's funny because Ant and I are sitting there going, yeah, he's going to have good moments. He's, he's going he's gonna to have bad moments. That's, that's what young quarterbacks in the NFL do. Like it's very rarely do they come in and just light the world on fire. It just doesn't happen. Right. Right. So it's it'll, be, be, it'll be interesting. If, if, if he starts, if Trey Lance starts next year, it's crazy that North Dakota State is going to have two quarterbacks that are starting for their teams. If you when you include That's Carson wild. Wentz over with yeah. the Washington Commanders. Uh, don't, and don't forget Easton Stick. Easton Stick's in the league. He's a backup for San Diego. I didn't that didn't even register when I came up with that my own thought there. That didn't even register. They have their That's last, their last three quarterbacks are all in the league. <laughs> all three of them are in the league, dude. What are you doing, Arizona State? What are you doing? <laughs> Do something. That just that just pisses me off even more. So so I wanna I wanna change it. This is a great, great question by Bees. I didn't even think to ask you this. Tell us about Mike McDaniel, how you think he's gonna fare as a head coach. Great question. Thank you, Bees. He's gonna kill it. He's going to kill it. I mean, the, the, the thing about Mike McDaniels is he is a 100% a player's coach, but not for like the reason most players' coaches are. Most players' coaches, right, they connect with players because they understand like what they're dealing with, mm -hmm. right? They, they know the struggles of the grind of an NFL season and the pressures on them and all that stuff because they sometimes have played or, you know, have been a coach in the league for a while. I mean, th there's tons of reasons for why a guy is a player's coach. Mike McDaniels has no head coaching experience. Anywhere. This is a this is a I, Ivy anywhere. League. I didn't know that. He's an Ivy League school guy who came in as oh, a man. as a quality control coach with Shanahan back in Washington. Wow. Um, he was a ball boy with Kyle Shanahan when Mike Mike Shanahan was the head coach in Denver. He's mm -hmm. literally known Kyle since he was a kid. So he's a close friend of Kyle Shanahan's. So th this is a guy who was a player's coach because he just. He's, he's he's basically one of them. He's just one of the boys. He's just one of the guys. 
Um, he he understands the game like no other because he spent his entire youth growing up around Kyle and Mike and that entire Stoke coaching staff, McVeigh as well. Um, and so he's learned from all of them. He's picked their brains on all of them, and he's, he was a specialist. He was a guy who specialized in the run game. Um, that's, that's what he did. And when it got to a certain point where Kyle essentially, um, especially in Atlanta is where it kind of started, where Kyle would go to him and pick his brain about run scheme and things of that nature because he had learned from his dad. He had learned from Kyle. He had learned from you know Quinn and all these other pe- people that he had been around during his time. And when he got to San Francisco, even though Kyle was the o- head coach and O coordinator for a couple of years, Essentially, since they've been to San Francisco, Mike McDaniels has been in charge of the run game. That's been his responsibility the entirety of the time. He puts together the run game plans, schemes, and things of that nature. The last two years have been all Mike McDaniels in the run game. McDaniels handles the run. Kyle would handle the pass. And they come together and put the get, put the game plan together, you know, working with one another. So the fact that you now have him going to a team in Miami that's got a young mobile quarterback. Right. It's got an incredible defense. It has weapons of plenty on the outside. And the only thing they have not had is a run game means problems for the AFC. Because as soon as he gets that run game going in Miami, they have a literally, you have a left handed version of Jimmy Garoppolo to attack of Iloa that all he's going to have to do is manage the game and not make a bunch of mistakes. He just doesn't have to cost him. He didn't have to be incredible or anything like that. He just has to not cost him. And the best part is he has the one asset that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have mobility. So, I don't want to say the Miami Dolphins are going to turn around in a year, but give it two seasons, two seasons, and they'll figure it out. And they also have Salvan Ahmed at running back, who, if people forget, Salvan Ahmed, undrafted free agent, started in San Francisco and was a Mike McDaniels running back. He was the one who wanted him in the room. So now he's in a situation with a guy he's familiar with that he really loved. He didn't want to lose, but because he had Jamichael Hasty at the time, he had a couple mm-hmm. other guys that were really, really standing out and looking good in that running back room. They had to make some tough choices, and they made a tough choice, and Miami picked him up, and now he's reunited with him back in Miami. So Thank, he he's going to do some good stuff. Thank God we don't play Miami this year because they just always kill us. I mean, he he killed us uh, last year. Unfortunately, J.J. Wiggett to play the AFC West, who is absolutely stacked now. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Fortunately, oh baby, 4-0, yeah. <laughs> hey, you never – you the ebbs and flows of football, man. You never, never, never know. Um. Never. Real quick before we get out of here, we are over the hour and 10 minute mark, which is awesome. I love talking about this because we could keep going. Uh, it, summarize in, in one to two minutes here, Alex, what moves the 49ers are making, what you think they're going to do, what you're hearing, anything like that to sc- scare some Cardinals fans a little bit. Let, let's get to know our foe. Okay. So the Niners, all the reports are the Niners are interested in JC Jackson. I think it's a smokescreen. Because they're actually going after Stephon Gilmore, so I, I think was just going to say that for the first time in in the five years that Kyle Shanahan has been in San Francisco, for the first time, the Niners are going to actually pay a corner. I think they're going to actually do it. I think they're going to actually make a play at this. I think Jason Verrett is going to get re-signed and moved into the slot. They're going to put him there. And you're going to have Emmanuel Mosley. You have Aubrey Thomas. You drafted. You have Diamond Lenore. They may go draft another guy. Um, but I think the biggest the biggest two names that everyone is thinking about is DJ Jones. And Lincoln Tomlinson, unfortunately for 49ers fans, I don't think you can get both back. I don't think you're going to be able to. And I think the least likely of all of them is probably DJ, who it seems like wants to get paid. And I don't blame him. He put together one heck of a season. And I know that should make all Cardinals fans excited because I've heard a lot of Cardinals fans saying, go get DJ Jones, add him to that rotation. He's a guy who's played very well in a rotation. 
uh, in the past. So that would that would work wonders for you guys. Uh, but I think the the biggest things to watch out for the 49ers are interior D line, um, as well as Ed Rusher. They may add some depth. Depth. Dante Fowler Jr. is a name to watch. I think San Francisco may try and add him in to the mix there because if you could get that in with that rotation they already have with Bose on the edge, that would be a problem. And Samson Ebucom. Um, Arden Key, maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't, depends on the money. Um, but the one I think I'm most excited about, one of the names I'm, I'm the, the most, probably the most ecstatic about of all of them is at the wide receiver position because there is a possibility that the San Francisco 49ers could find themselves a way to land Brandon Cooks. And you may be going, wait, what? He plays for Houston? You're right, he does. But Ant and I are from Lodi Stockton area. Brandon Cooks is from Stockton, California. Ant coached. He coached Brandon Cooks, an all-star game. So we're very familiar with his family. Um, and he's had conversations with people in the family saying that essentially they're working on a way for him to get out of the contract and for him to migrate west. They won't say what team, but he wants to come out to the West Coast and play wow. for a team. So I imagine that would leave Seattle, right, San Francisco, and Vegas Raiders. The L.A. teams. Maybe the Chargers, but definitely not the Rams. Because they're not going to have the cap to be able to sign a guy like that. Um, with Seattle basically selling, he's not going to want to go there, which means there's three teams on the docket. So you got the Chargers, you got the Raiders, you got San Francisco. So if that ends up coming to pass, uh, Brandon Cooks, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, I'll sign me up for that all day long. One of the names that we've been hearing a lot for Cardinals land do you, for wide receivers. Do you want to, you want to say it, JJ? Oh, God. Uh, I mean, at first it was Calvin Ridley, but <laughs> we that was not first. That's not first. But now, who is it all over Twitter, happen. man? Uh, you go ahead, man. It, Amari Cooper. Everybody wants Amari Cooper in Cardinal Land as our number two wide receiver. I mean, and I went back and I actually saw. I, I went back and watched some film. Uh, you know, YouTube highlights. And a lot of the things that he did, I think, really translate to what the Cardinals do. And he was doing that against a lot of number one DBs. So having a guy like that, I think, would just, I think it completely raise the bar. I initially really wanted Mike Williams, and then he got franchised, and he's going to work out a deal with, with San Diego or yeah, San Diego. No, LA. No, San Diego. Oh, San Diego. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really wanted Mike Williams. And then I thought uh, DJ Chark would be a great, uh, solid addition as kind of the, the Christian Kirk role, filling that. I still have hopes on that because he's in the five to seven million dollar range. Um, Amari Cooper would be amazing. I mean, if you if you have D Hop, Amari Cooper, Zach Ertz, uh, James Conner, yeah. Chase that's, Edmonds, that's Max crazy. Williams, at that point, you're. There's no excuses for Cliff and Kyler at that point, right? I mean, it's it's not necessarily put up or shut up time, but if you have that much star power, you you have to put up. So does Amari does Amari Cooper scare you at all? Uh, real quick before we get out of here on the yeah, Cardinals, hundred percent. I mean, he he torched K one in the in the slot and had some success against Ombre as well in in that playoff game. Uh, so I mean, see, uh, Amari is always a he's always a concern. He's very dynamic. He does a lot of things. Um, that's just a lot of capital to type in that wide receiver room too. I mean, it makes it harder to sign people in other places. So, right, it's pick and choose your poison. I think this is why San Francisco is also thinking about going free agent corner and actually spending some money is they understand the NFC West is an arms race and that teams, a lot of teams are building that arms race around receivers. So maybe yeah. it's time to adjust the formula a little bit. You've went heavy on your D line. You're still going to go heavy on your D line. You'll find a way to make it work. You re remove some money around to share it with everybody. Um, 
And then uh, you can go ahead and never, you can go ahead and never trade for Debo Samuel. No, heck no. No, you guys, <laughs> I don't, I don't want any part. for you guys. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wish it was a steal for us. Uh, no, Debo Samuel should be a 49er for, I would prefer life, but it's going to be, might, a, long, it's gonna be, be. a long time. So I'm, I'm he's, happy. He's going to be the number two wide receiver in 49er history. I want it all said and done. Very well could be, man. He does a lot of different dynamic things. He's going to be one of the more unique players in 49ers history in the NFL, actually. Um, yeah. Just yeah. The, the way he plays. So it's it's a little crazy. But, man, hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. We we didn't even get really into uh, the Colts trading away Carson Wentz to it's Washington. Nuts. That that's that's We kind of touched on it for a minute, but that's crazy. <laughs> that, that has implications in the NFC East for sure. And then we didn't even touch on Green Bay. Just it seems like they're just running it back and maybe trying to restructure a deal with what are your thoughts on, that, there, like, is it on the Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers thing? Well, it, it's one of those things where it, it makes sense and doesn't make sense at the same time. It makes sense because I don't think Aaron actually, I think Aaron wants to retire a Packer. I think deep down that's what he wants, but he also wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to do yeah. what Brett didn't do, which is win a second Super Bowl, a second chip. He's eating up a lot of money. They, 203 they mil. I'm more on the don't make sense side. Just well, it just it, well, it doesn't make sense because he seems to be at odds with everybody there, and yet he stays. Mm-hmm. He yeah. he stays consistently. And now there's reports that Zadarius Smith is going to be a cap casualty for whatever his contract is going to be, and which in that case, San Francisco, f f signing a corner, go get Zadarius Smith. That would be a problem for everybody. Cardinals yeah. fans, everyone should crap their pants if Cesarius Smith ends up in San Francisco. I'll take that. I'll take that that, that would not that would not be good. Yeah, I mean, there are so many moves that are going around right now. So many moves, and and it's a it's a fun time to be an NFL fan because you know what, everybody's zero and zero, and every every move that you make, you're winning. Except except that is funny, and I saw a lot of memes. Anytime an AFC West team does something good, Raiders fans go. You, Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> that that is my favorite. Uh, I I can't. I I still cannot believe uh, that there were reports that Derek Carr could get a first round pick if you tried to trade him. I I was trying to wrap. Somebody my head. would pay for it. Somebody I, would. Why? Yeah. Why? I, why? Somebody would. Why? Don't because of the season it. he had, like oh, all that somebody would, like. I like Derek Carr. I think he's a like a solid QB. I don't think he's I don't think he's bad, but a first, a first uh, yeah. that is reaching a little bit. It's know. it's but reaching I, it's reaching a lot. It's reaching a lot. But you you pair him in in Indy with like JJ Taylor or something, right? Like that. Like all of a sudden, I don't. It might, like might not be a bad I could see it. Man, we've got so much to talk about. When is the next quest for the West, Alex? Are we gonna have one pre-draft, post-draft? I, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna do a free agency's right around the corner, dog. It is. I, I think I think we're we're gonna plan on it. I think we may do something next week, um, just before, like you know, just hop on and, and do something and maybe maybe even do it live. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I'll, I'll talk to you about it. I'll talk to you about it. We got, dude, we got so much going on over on our, uh, the podcast over there. So if you got any of you, any of you guys watching, if you, if you ever want to hop over and just see what the Niners are doing, I know your Cardinals fans, I know your Arizona sports fans, but, uh, if you ever want to just come see, uh, 40 hours cut back on YouTube, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Spotify, all, all traditional podcast platforms were there. Um, but we got a lot going on, man. We got uh, expanding basically the channel, expanding some of the content, maybe doing some new things in the, in the next couple of weeks. So it's, it's exciting. 
Good job. Good job. Yeah, you guys go check out 49ers Cutback. It's it's actually a very enjoyable one. I caught myself after post games when the Cardinals were just about to start and they played early. I caught myself watching and commenting and, and very entertaining. You and Ant have a great dynamic together. We do Quest for the West what was every Tuesday or Wednesday, and that was a lot of fun to do. So you guys check them out as well, too. Uh, rate, review, subscribe over there as well. But Alex, thank you so much for coming on. JJ, thank you for being on this ride with me on He's on Fire podcast, man. I can't thank you enough. 50 episodes, I think 52 total videos. Yeah, yeah, there we go. That one. Everything is backwards here, yeah. Um, Thank you, everybody in the chat, everybody that, that comes on every night. Bees and uh, and Lennon Crisp is in here and, and all the other guys that we listed off. We couldn't do this without you. So please continue to support. Please share this out. Please subscribe, rate, and review as well, too. Donate to Anchor if you so choose to, and that way we can just push out content even more and more. We really appreciate everybody coming on. Uh, 50 episodes. Great landmark. But we're going to be back for 51 on Sunday. Remember, we're not going to come back Sunday night at our normal time. We are going to have the Lakers and Suns live stream going on. Live reactions. We'll do some post-game as well, too. We're going to have some great guests coming on in the future. Just thank you, everybody, for being involved in He's on Fire podcast. It has been a blessing. It has been great. The Phoenix Suns win tonight, 111-90. to Number one in the West. Number one team in the NBA. Next game is Friday. Yeah, guys. Happy 50. Getting a little wobbly. And a down three and a